where we're at time-wise. There's, uh, since uh, we left Acts 14, and, you know, Acts 15 was uh, the Jerusalem Council, and we're going to be headed into Acts 16, and actually the end of Acts 15 starts Paul's second missionary journey. But during that time, uh, the book of James was written in the book of Galatians, just to give you a little idea of what's what. It's um, always interesting to uh, look at the chronology and look at the way things unfolded in the early church. So I'm going to try to remind you of that as we go through this, but let's pray. Uh, Lord, thank you for our time together, and God, we do thank you for um, the worship, Lord. Uh, we thank you for um, those songs, really heartfelt songs, Lord, and um, you know, as I was um, sitting here worshiping you, Lord, I can almost picture um, Paul and, and Silas and Barnabas and Timothy and these guys having that heart, Lord, wanting to just serve you no matter what, Lord. And, uh, and I pray, God, that that would be uh, something that we would grab a hold of and that there wouldn't be um, anything to hinder uh, you working in our lives, Lord, uh, to go out and be those lights and witnesses. So bless our time together in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so something that I said since we started the book of Acts, just want to remind you guys that the men and the women that we look at in the book of Acts are just, they're ordinary folks, just like us. They're not, um, they didn't start out as elite Christians, if you will. Um, you know, they were called by God. They were faithful to the call, and, and God used them. And, um, you know, it's pretty much the same today. You know, God wants to use you. We just need to be willing uh, to let him do that. So ordinary men and women, um, guys that believe the word of God and acted on it. And basically that's what faith is, right? Believing the word of God and acting on it, no matter how we feel, because God promises a good result. And that's all, these, that's all these people did. They believed God's word, and they just walked out on it. So Paul's first missionary journey ends in Acts 14, verses 27 through 28. And I, the reason why I want to read this is because the outcome or the, the, the final um, consensus of the journey is pretty cool. So verses 27 and 28 of Acts 14, it says, Now when they had come and gathered um, the church together, that's back in Antioch, right? They reported all that God had done with them and, he had, and that he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. So they stayed there a long time with the disciples. You know, they were um, excited about what had happened, and they just stayed there in Antioch and they ministered. And then, as they're in Antioch ministering, um, the Judaizers, the legalists, come into um, Antioch and they start preaching that um, you have to be circumcised to be saved, along with salvation. So they're trying to put that on, um, you know, on the Gentiles, Paul and Barnabas. It says they had no small dispute, so you know what that means. They had a huge dispute over that, and rightly so, right? I mean, if somebody came in here and said that it wasn't just Jesus alone, it was Jesus and this, uh, we would, you know, we'd have something to say about that, right? So, you know, these guys um, end up going down or up to Jerusalem. They get the issue settled. And uh, James gives them the final word, and I'll just... So we get the context as we move forward, Acts 15, verses 27 through 29. Um, the issue is resolved when it comes to circumcision. It says, We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by the word of mouth, for it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these things, these necessary things that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. So they, uh, they settled the issue. Paul, Barnabas, Silas, 
and Judas go back to Antioch and report back to the church. Now, I stuck this little note in there, and it's something um, that I wasn't quite sure where to put this. But it's just, it's the word desire. And I was thinking about that as, as I was reading through this chapter and through 16. You know, Paul and Barnabas, um, they just, they had a desire in their heart, a burning desire to be faithful to the call that God had on their lives. And we're going to see that in, um, at the end of Acts 15, you know, they're going to want to go back and revisit the churches, right? They had a desire. They had a heart, a love for the church. And, um, you know, the reason why I bring that up is because, you know, I hope that that's your heart. I hope you have a heart for the church, for the body of Christ. And, you know, finding um, your niche in the church where God has called you. And then to, um, you know, just to pursue that. To pursue that. There's nothing, I, I believe this with my whole heart, there's nothing more fulfilling in our lives when we know we're where God has called us and God is using us. You know, isn't that what it's all about? To be called by God, to be plugged in where God wants us, and then to be faithful there and allow God to use us? So I, I really, um, you know, I, I guess I stuck it in this spot for a reason. I don't know. But anyway, Desire. I hope you guys have that desire in your heart to please God, to serve God. So let's pick up in Acts 15, verses 36 through 41. And this is going to end chapter 15, and it's going to start Paul's second missionary journey. And, and, you know, it's interesting when you think of these journeys. I was thinking about it. Um, one of the songs that Gina did in worship, and I was kind of thinking if it was, you know, if it was a, like, don't overlook me, like to call me for ministry, um, that I, I forgot it was either the first or the second song. But it was, you know, and it just kind of gave me this thought, like, Lord, don't pass me by, use me. You're using all these other people, plug me in, use me. And, you know, that's, you know, that's the heart of these men. You know, Paul is going to want to go back and revisit the churches that they had already established. And um, we'll, when we get to that point, I, I just wanted to uh, um, touch on something when we get there. But let's read verses 36 through 41. It says, Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, Let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with him John, called Mark, but Paul insisted that they should not take, um, with, not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus, and Paul chose Silas and departed being commended by the brethren to the grace of God, and he went through Syria, Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Paul is Paul's going to go back to the churches he's already been to with Silas in reverse order. Instead of getting on a boat and going to Attila and going up through Pamphylia, he's going to walk, walk. You know, you think about that. He's going to walk over 400 miles by the time he gets to Troas. But, you know, just, it's just amazing. But they're going to go from Antioch, and they're going to cut over on land, and they're going to go to Tarsus, his hometown, and they're going to cut back up that way. So they're walking. And I love the thought that, um, that he has, the, you know, the Lord puts those churches on his heart. Um, and I was trying to think of a, a way to explain how that must have felt for Paul. But the Lord provided that this morning with Pastor Jeff. You know, if you think of Pastor Jeff coming back here to share with the church, it's, you know, it's like him coming home. You know, he planted this church. The Lord planted it through Pastor Jeff, right? And now Jeff is back, and he's, today he got a chance to talk to everybody. He got a chance to see the last couple of days how the church is doing. And, you know, I believe that's Paul and Barnabas' heart. Let's go back and see these folks. Let's see how they're doing. You know, let's bring back um, this, this decision that was made um, in Jerusalem about the circumcision. Let's go encourage the church. So it's 
just seeing, seeing Paul's heart in this. And I really believe, and it doesn't say it, so it's just my opinion. I really believe that the Lord had put it on Paul's heart to do this. You know, Paul wanted to nurture and care for the church um, that God was building across Asia at that time. So, you know, God directs them. They're, they're headed back. I know that, um, I don't know if we've talked about this before, this dispute with, uh, between Barnabas and Paul. And, uh, you know, it, it doesn't really say why Mark left originally. It doesn't tell us here why he left. It just says that Paul didn't want to take him and Barnabas did. So I like this because it's, it's like a, a little how-to book to handle disagreements in the church. Because Barnabas um, really had a significant role in the church up to this point. You know, he could have said, hey, let's, um, let's bring this to the elders. Let's get this hashed out. You know, I think we should bring them. Paul doesn't agree. Paul doesn't, you know, he at, at this point is starting to be more um, prominent in the church. I mean, it could have really turned out to be a, a pretty bad situation where they could have really gotten into it and pulled the church into it. But you know what? They said, hey, you know, Barnabas said, you know, we're, I'm going to just take um, Mark. We'll go to Cyprus. Paul said, all right, I'm going to take Silas, and we're headed back to, to visit the churches. I mean, it really could have got ugly, but it didn't. You know, because they, you know, it wasn't about right or wrong. You know, I, I think these guys were mature brothers in the Lord, even though they disagreed. Sometimes, you know, um, you know, we can't always agree. But when we disagree, we have to get to the point where we say, okay, look. We're not going to be persuaded. You're not going to be persuaded. Let's pray, and you go your way, and we'll go our way. And, you know, God in his sovereignty, it went from one missionary team to two. Paul and Silas went, like, northwest, and um, Barnabas and Mark kind of went west, but to Cyprus, to the island that actually... Um, Barnabas was, that's where his home, that's where his home was, was in Cyprus. So instead of one missionary team, there's two. And guys, it's just a a good picture for us not to, um, you know, to learn how to handle disagreements in a biblical way. You know, and we could, you know, we we have uh, opportunities, we have meetings, um, you know, once every month, and sometimes, you know, we'll go back and forth on something, but when it's all said and done, we pray, and, you know, we just, we pick a direction that we get consensus on, and we move forward. You know, we don't leave um, the meeting mad at each other. You know, we know that um, God called us to sharpen each other. Iron sharpens iron, but, you know, and, and I mean, it's just a, a clear uh, picture for me and trying to deal with um, disagreements in the church. You know, and we should always try to prefer our brothers and our sisters. You know, we don't, it's not about always being right. It's about love. So hopefully that helps. So Paul's second missionary journey is starting now in this chapter. Um, He's going to take Silas with him, and we're going to see in chapter, in verse 1 of chapter 16, that Timothy is going to join them. Like I said, he's going to go in the reverse order um, for the churches. And you know, one thing that I really found amazing, on this missionary journey, Paul is going to cross from Asia to Europe. I mean, he's he's going from one continent to the other. And once again, let me um, highlight the fact that these guys are walking. You know, it's not like they're getting an LL flight and they're flying, or they're not hopping on a bus or getting in a car. You know, these guys are, are walking. It's just amazing. It's amazing. So Paul has got Silas, and I just wanted to share a little bit about Silas. There's some advantages to Paul taking Silas with him. Uh, Silas was a, a prophet, and so he was able to teach and proclaim God's word. Um, Silas was... Jewish, so that gave him access to the synagogue. You know, and this is all important going back through um, where they had previously been because synagogues were already established there. Um, Silas was a Roman citizen, 
So he enjoyed all the same benefits and protections that Paul did. So these guys, uh, there's a, a lot of pluses to taking Silas with him. Um, Paul chose Silas, and they traveled together to many cities and spread the good news. And the teamwork demonstrated the unity of the church. Paul was from Antioch, the church in Antioch. Silas was from the church in Jerusalem. They came together and uh, became this missionary team. And as they went from town to town, it showed that there was unity in the church. Unity with the church in Jerusalem, unity with the church in Antioch. And unity is so important in the church today. Because, you know, the church is really splintered in a lot of different ways. Um, A lot of moral issues, a lot of things going on in the communities, um, a lot of different... um, you know, different things uh, relating to gender, different um, just creation. I mean, there's so many differences in the church, and it really hinders the effectiveness of the church. So unity is important, and Paul and Silas really were a picture of that as they traveled through, and people, I, I think it sent the message to the churches that they went to that these guys were in agreement. You know, Antioch's a pretty big church at this point in time. You know, it's, um, it's the hub for that part of the world. So um, unity, so important, so important. Chapter 16, let's read the first three verses. It says, Then he came to Derbe and Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a certain Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brethren who were at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted to give him, Paul wanted to have him go on with him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in the region, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. So Lystra and Derby, if you remember back in chapter 14 when Paul originally went through these cities, um, they healed a, a man, and then they, the people there tried to deify them, worship them as gods, and they refused to do that. And um, eventually they, would, they took Paul out, of, dragged him out of the city and stoned him, left him for dead, right? And it said that the disciples got around him, um, you know, they prayed, they picked Paul up, and they walked back into Lystra. And, you know, you got to be thinking, is that in the back of Paul's mind? As he's going back now into this area, you know, and... I guess I would think that, you know, we're, hey, you know, Silas, we're, get, we're going to right to the spot. We're getting pretty close to the spot where they stoned me. Yeah, it was really a wild scene, you know. But, you know, to think that, is that still in his mind? But, you know, it's obvi- you know obviously it isn't because he goes there, and even when they did it, um, even when they stoned him, he got up and went back into Lystra. You know, and, and the reason why I bring that up is because we can't less let, past, um, you know, like some negative experiences that we've had in the past in ministry hinder us from moving forward in ministry. You know, a lesser man might not have, di- might not have followed through like Paul did. But in spite of the fact, you know, Paul knew that God called him to go back to these churches and to check on these churches, to check on the church, and he wasn't going to let anything get in the way of that. So, you know, I almost think in my mind that Paul's saying, hey, you know, if they stone me again, I'm st- God will raise me up again. You know, and it's just, you, you just see the heart of Paul, Silas, and these men and women that we've been reading about in the book of Acts. They had no doubt in their mind that God was faithful. They had no doubt in their mind that God was going to uh, protect them, and if it was time for, the, for them to go home to be with the Lord, then that's what was going to happen. I mean, it already had happened to James in chapter 12, where he was martyred. But these guys had a heart for God. They didn't care about all the peripheral stuff. You know, they knew that God called them. They knew what God wanted them to do, and they were going to go do it. And it meant for them walking hundreds of miles, you know, opportunities to be robbed. I mean, it isn't... Um, it's, it's just so different, and sometimes it's hard for me to even to wrap my mind around what it could have been like. I mean, I, go, I used to go hunting all the time, so I would be in the woods before it even got light. 
But you know, who knows what you're going to bump into in the woods, right? Here, these guys are, I mean, there is no police patrolling these, these roads they're on. There's, I mean, there's robbers. There's, I mean, there is so much danger. But these guys are, you know what, they're just simply stepping out on the will of God. And I just want to encourage you, you know, if God is calling you to do something, and you know for sure it's the Lord, then don't worry about anything else. Don't worry about if, if this or don't worry about that. Um, just be faithful to take those first steps that the Lord is putting in your heart to do. And he'll, believe me, he'll be there. And we have the whole book of Acts. We have the whole book of Acts to see when God says something, when God calls somebody to do something, all they have to do is take that step. And God is with them every step of the way. And it's no different with us today. So, you know, if there's anything that we've challenged, we've been challenged with in the past, and it, you know, the opportunity comes up to minister again, and we had a bad experience, don't let that discourage you, because God is going to still, he's going to see you through it again. So Timothy, Timothy is an interesting guy, and, um, you know, I have, um, this book, it's about, it's actually the, the life of Paul, but he gets in towards the end of the book, he talks a lot about Timothy. And, you know, Timothy was, um, hey, he was just like us, insecure, um, not quite, you know, he was young, wasn't quite sure of himself. And it's just amazing how when you read through the rest of the book of Acts and through, you know, the epistles, it's just how Paul is encouraging him and, and really trying to get the best out of him. And when I, I see Timothy's life, and I think, you know, God, that's like a, a little picture of me. Because, I mean, even, you know, even doing this, sometimes I just feel, Lord, you know, why? I mean, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't, need, I don't even talk right. You know, I got to, you know, I don't, I, you know, it's like, why am I doing this? But because God wants me to. You know, and I'm like, I get up here and I'm nervous. I get, I get real dry. My mouth gets dry, you know. And so, you know, it's just being used by God. And, you know, even in our, even in our shortcomings, God is glorified. God is glorified. It's just, it's just so encouraging, so encouraging. And, you know, if you, if you ask my wife, and she's probably watching, um, you know, I have my own little set of words that I use a lot. So she's working on that. But, you know, it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is that if I could do this, you guys can do whatever God wants you to do, you know, because, you know, it's, it's the Lord. It's the Lord. So, all right, let's get back to Timothy, because I don't know how we got on my insecurities, right? <laughs> but Timothy, um, he had a, a Jewish mom, a grandmother. He... Um, his grandmother, his mother's name was Eunice. His grandmother was Lois. Uh, they were devout Jews um, who uh, became believers in the Lord, and they taught Timothy the Old Testament scriptures from his youth, from his childhood. So Timothy has been reared up in the Word. On Paul's first trip through, um, on the first missionary journey, he, he meets these folks. Uh, Timothy, they think at that point, is, um, becomes a Christian, on Paul's second time through now, he sees Timothy, and he wants to bring Timothy along with him and Silas. Timothy's probably in his late teens or early 20s, so he's, he's a young, he's, he's a teenager. And it's not um, the environment that Paul is calling him to, that the Lord's calling him to, um, is, is totally a different in church environment than we're used to. Um, the church environment that he's going to be exposed to is um, the kind of environment when if the neighbors don't like you, um, they try to hurt you, right? And then some of the churches that he's involved with over time are, um, you know, they look down on him because of his youth. I mean, I mean, it's really, um, Timothy is, is just, um, he's a fighter. He's a fighter. He's, you know, Paul's encouraging him, and there's times he's discouraged and feels like giving in, but he doesn't. And, you know, when you read, a, you, you read how real um, Timothy is and how transparent he is and how Paul um, just stays and invests in his life, it's encouraging. 
It's encouraging, and that's a, just a, a picture of the church. We should be doing that with each other. We should be speaking into each other's lives. If we see, um, you know, a gift in someone, we should encourage them. You know, we should speak to that. You know, to make the church um, uh, stronger, um, you know, making the body stronger. Just listen to some of the things that, this is some of the things that, um, that Timothy did, some of the ministry he was involved with. Um, you know, he was Paul's friend, his disciple, and his co-laborer for the rest of Paul's life. So he ministered with Paul in Berea in Acts 17, in Athens, Corinth. He accompanied him on his trip to Jerusalem in Acts 20. He was with Paul in his first Roman imprisonment and went to Philippi. Uh, that's Philippians 2.19, after Paul's release. In addition, Paul frequently mentions Timothy in his epistles, Romans, Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd, and Philemon. Paul often sent Timothy to churches as his representative, Corinthians. That had to be an interesting place to go to represent Paul, right? The church at Corinth. I mean, think, how would you like to walk in there and try to bring some order to church there? Um, interesting. Um, and in 1st Timothy... Timothy finds himself on another assignment, um, serving as pastor at the church of Ephesus. So he's been around, and according to Hebrews 13.23, Timothy was imprisoned somewhere and then finally released. So Timothy, um, this is the beginning of a really um, a, an interesting uh, journey in his relationship with the Lord, you know, his Christian walk. You know, challenging, uh, difficult at times. Uh, you know, the Lord was using Paul to encourage him. And it's, it's encouraging to me because when you feel like you just can't keep going, when you feel like things are too tough for you to handle, and you look at a kid like Timothy, who regardless of the challenges kept moving forward, kept moving forward. You know, for Paul to trust him, to send him to Ephesus, to send him to Corinth. You know, and it's, you know what I love about that relationship is that Paul knew that him sending Timothy to a place like Corinth or Ephesus was going to be a real challenge for him. You know, but he knew that he could do it. He knew that God was going to be there with him. You know, and it's, I mean, it's, it's just, um, it's a beautiful, beautiful picture of one believer strengthening another. It's one believer discipling another believer. You know, Paul knowing that, you know, God had called Timothy and investing himself in Timothy. That's how the church gets strengthened. That's how the church grows strong. When we're willing to invest in each other, when we see a spark, something that God wants to do in somebody's life, and we just throw a little bit of kindling on it, you know, and we just encourage them. You know, when we're down, you know, we should be able to look to each other, to pray for each other, to lift each other up. You know, part of the strength of the early church was because they did that. They ministered to one another. They went the extra mile for one another. When Paul told Timothy, hey, you can do it, Timothy. Go to Ephesus. This is, you know, and we don't know the conversations that they had, obviously. Some of it is recorded, but we don't really know all of it. But I could see Paul putting his arm around Timothy and tell him, look, kid, don't worry about it. God is with you. You know, God is going to be there. You just give them the word of God. You just speak the truth to them in love. You know, and, he, and Timothy got around. He did. He did. So, and I want to, I want to just, I'm not going to get too far off the point with this, but um, I just wanted to, to say something about Mark and Timothy in this respect, because it looks like Timothy is replacing Mark, at least with Paul and Silas. But, you know, Mark, and this is just a beautiful picture of God, and it's just awesome. You know, God doesn't draw a line through Mark's name and say, you know, okay, you know, you're going to be on the B team now. You're going to go with Barnabas. You know, you're all washed up. You know, 
It's not like that. Mark, Mark was a work in progress. And I really believe that um, going out with Paul at that particular instance, you know, would have been really hard on him because Paul, you know, who knows what that relationship was like. But you know what? The Lord arranges it so he goes with Barnabas. You know, Barnabas, the son of encouragement. Mark needs a little bit of work, maybe, you know, maybe just some fine-tuning. And what better person to be with than Barnabas? To take, a, you know, take young Mark and say, okay, look, you know, and minister to him while they're ministering for the Lord. You know, God doesn't just, like, put him aside. No, God knows what Mark needs, and he puts him together with Barnabas. You know, God knows what we need. And, you know, it's funny how he just puts us around the people that we need to be around. You know, and something else, too, that um, really stuck out in my mind, you know, and it happens a lot, and I don't, I don't like it. But, you know, there's times in the church where we'll, we'll draw a line through somebody's name. They'll do something, and we'll say, oh, they're beyond hope. You know, let's just, hey, forget about them. You know, but that's not God's heart. That's not God's heart. You know, when... They sent Barnabas in Acts chapter um, 11 when they sent him to check out what, the, what was happening with the Gentiles and getting saved. You know, one of the first things that Barnabas did is he went to Tarsus and got Paul and brought him back down and brought him right into the ministry. You know, Barnabas was a guy who saw, you know, what God was doing in men's lives at that, you know, back in, in the first century. And he went and got Paul, and, you know, he brought Paul right into the church. You know, God will do it. God will raise somebody, you know, God will raise up a Paul or a Barnabas if we need it. Or you might be a Paul or a Barnabas. Or, Gina, you could be a Miss Paul or something. But, you know what I'm saying? You, could, you know, there's, you know God, wants to, God wants to use us in a lot of different ways. And I just, I just love the picture. I just love it. You know, because... How would you like to be Mark and feel like, you know, you're rejected? You know, me, Paul. You know, who, who knows when it says no small dispute, who knows what they said? I'm thankful that eventually, and, and the whole, I guess, part of the bottom line to all of this is we know that back in Timothy, we find out that Mark and Paul had, did reconcile. They, you know, they did get their relationship was healed, and Mark became very useful to Paul. So it's important for us to see those pictures. And I love it because, you know, God doesn't give up on anybody. God doesn't give up on anybody. If that person's breathing, they have a chance. But when it comes to ministry in the church, you know, we need to, we need to go out of our way to look, to really look for, um, look at, just at a person's heart. Give them an opportunity to give them a chance, to give them another chance, to give them some grace. You know, I know that um, if God wasn't gracious with me, there would be just like a pile of dust someplace. But God is just so faithful, so loving. So God raises up Timothy to replace Mark. And like I said, Timothy had, he needed some work too, right? He needed some discipling. You know, and we all do. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, because even I, I think like Pastor Jeff, you know, and I, you know, I love him to death. But you know what? He's still like Pastor Bill still is his pastor. You know, and I just love that, um, that relationship. It just, it just never ends, you know. I mean, Jesus is the one obviously at the top of the, the heap, right? But, you know, we're all, we all, we're all accountable to somebody we're, we, we all get discipled by somebody above us. There's, you know, there's always an accountability. And I just love the structure of it. I love that. You know, because you can be in ministry for 50 years, but, you, you know, you always still have somebody you can go to, somebody that can speak into your life, somebody that you can gain um, just insight from. So in, chapter, in verse 3 it says that... Um, and Paul, he took him, Timothy, and circumcised him because of the Jews um, who were in the region. And it's kind of interesting. We just went through this whole thing about circumcision, and you don't need to be circumcised. So why is Paul going to have Timothy circumcised? 
And if he's going to have Timothy circumcised, why didn't he have Titus circumcised? So I'll try to explain it the, the best that I can understand it. So the answer is simple. In the case of Titus, okay, it was a question of just fundamental Christian doctrine. With Timothy, it, it wasn't the case, okay? So with Titus, they were, Titus was, was a Gentile. So if Paul would have given in to the pressure and had Titus circumcised, he would have been compromising on doctrine because he was a Gentile, and if he would have had him circumcised, they would have, it, he would, the implication would have been he needed to be circumcised and accept Christ. So that would have really put, um, I mean, all of that was already established in what had just happened in the Jerusalem Council. So there's no way that Paul could compromise the, you know, the doctrine that they had just established. But the case with Timothy was a little different. The people um, in the area knew that Timothy was, had a Jewish mother. Uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were going to be going out to do evangelistic work. Their first contacts would most likely be Jews. And if these Jews knew that Timothy wasn't circumcised, it might have put a stumbling block in the, for the ministry. Okay? So whereas if he were, um, there would be no possibility of them being offended by it. So since the matter with Timothy um, was moral and um, just a matter of choice and not, a doc- not of doctrinal importance, Paul submitted Timothy um, to circumcision. So with Timothy, he, had, he could have made a choice. I could or could not get circumcised. It wasn't going to be, um, it wouldn't be a doctrinal issue because it wasn't for salvation. He's Jewish. His mother was Jewish. He was perceived as a Jew. He was going to go minister to the Jews, that community, to the synagogues. So they felt instead of putting a potential stumbling block in the way of the ministry going forward. I, I don't think they told him he had to. I think Timothy took one for the team. He just got circumcised because he knew that this was going to benefit the ministry. And, you know, Timothy wasn't required to be circumcised, but he voluntarily did this uh, to overcome the barriers to his witness for Christ. And... <laughs> I found this phrase, sometimes we need to go beyond the call of duty in order to further the kingdom of God. Bless you. Sometimes you got to go above and beyond to get the word of God out there. And that's what I believe Timothy does. Um, above and beyond, that, he, he went that extra mile. And really, the church could really use saints like that today, willing to go above and beyond the call. You know, willing to uh, deny themselves for the furtherance of the gospel. And there's, a, there's some issues you maybe you could think of off the top of your head. Things that um, aren't wrong, but could cause a stumbling block for somebody, right? It talks about that in Romans. Paul says, I'm not, I wouldn't eat meat in, in Corinthians too. But if it offended my brother, there's nothing wrong with doing it. But if it's going to offend my brother, I'm not going to do it. You know, Timothy didn't want to offend the Jewish communities that he was going to be going to. He didn't want him, he didn't want himself to be a stumbling block. So he makes that choice that, you know, I'll I'll get circumcised. If it's going to make things better for the ministry, I'll do it. Whereas like with Titus, they couldn't do it because that would be compromising doctrine. And it's interesting, and here, this will give you a little more insight into it. Five years later, in 1 Corinthians, Paul would write this. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 23, it says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. And to the Jews I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. And to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, as without law, not being without a law toward God, but under law toward Christ, 
that I might win those who are without the law. Excuse me, to the weak, I become as weak that I might win the weak, and I become all things to all men that I might by all means save some. Now this I do for the gospel's sake, that I may be partaker, partaker of it with you. So a little footnote in my Bible with this verse um, says that within the bounds of God's word, Paul would not offend the Jew, the Gentile, or those weak in understanding. Not changing scripture or compromising the truth, Paul would condescend in ways that could lead to salvation. So Paul, without compromising doctrine, was willing to do whatever it took to be able to share the gospel with individuals that he was going to be ministering to. And, you know, I, I thought about this because last night I was, um, I'm reading this book on, um, on gender. And, um, you know, because I don't, I, don't I don't understand any of that you know, I don't understand, you know, the whole movement. But, um, you know, the Lord just put it on my heart. He said, well, how could you, I mean, how could you minister effectively if you don't, if you can't communicate? You know, so I, I think it's important for us to, to try to, you know, try to become, like Paul is saying, all things to all men. You know, if I have to read a book to try to understand why people um, are confused about their identity and stuff and be able to share the gospel with them more effectively, it's worth the time to try to understand it. You guys know what I'm saying? So sometimes we, gotta, we have to, um, you know, just do that little extra to try to be more effective for ministry. Because how could you share the gospel with somebody if you don't know how they think or what they're, you know, why, you know, why, why, why do they think that way? And, you know, I don't understand a lot of things about um, that whole movement, the whole LGBTQ. But I know that, um, that God loves everybody that's on this planet, regardless of what they're, what they're into or not into. And, um, you know, we really need to have a heart. If we're going to be effective for ministry and to share the gospel, um, we really need to have a heart for everybody. You know, and um, so that's how I see Paul. You know, Paul was willing to, to, I mean, I could just picture him making tents and talking to people while they're making tents, maybe volunteering to do something, helping somebody out. I just see him getting plugged into people, plugged into the community, plugged into the church. And that's ministry for us, right? Ministry for us is getting involved in the community and being a light, working side by side with people who don't know the Lord, right? But being a light, being a part of the church. I mean, you guys do it where you work, right? I mean, I did. On my job, when I had the opportunity, because, I, I mean, I worked with some of the guys I work with. I worked with them for over 25 years. So, I mean, these guys, I mean, I, I knew them, you know, and... It was just a beautiful opportunity to share with them. So if God opens up the door, you know, we got to step through it. And if it's not compromising doctrine, right, if we, you know, then, then do it. I mean, we had a, Paul is reaching people here that he probably never even would have associated with before he got saved, right? He was a Pharisee. What did he want to do with a Gentile? He hated them. But you know what? Once he got saved, you know, God changed his heart. God gave him a heart for the lost, a heart for ministry. You know, God gave him a heart that just yearned for just being um, faithful to what God had called him to do. And that's, you know, that, that word desire, you know, desiring to just, com just to be faithful to what God has called us to. It's just so important. So... I guess the obvious question is, are you willing to give up your rights um, to, so somebody wouldn't stumble, so you could share the gospel? Are you willing to take one for the team, go the extra mile for the ministry, for where God has you? Are we, like Timothy, willing to give up our liberty for the sake of love and effective ministry? 
you know, there's, I guess that speaks for itself. I don't, I have an example that I don't, it's, it's kind of lame anyway, <laughs> but anyway. Uh, can we keep the gospel simple, right, the basics? Are we willing to go above and beyond the call of duty? And I think, I, well, I know you guys, and I know you're, you do go above the call of duty. You're here on a Sunday night, a rainy Sunday night. But, you know, you're all plugged in doing something for the Lord. So let's move on. Verses, uh, verse 4 and 5, it says, And as they went through the cities, they delivered to them the decrees to keep, which were determined by the apostles and elders at Jerusalem. That's the results of the Jerusalem council. And I like verse 5. It says, so the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. So just imagine these three men going into these cities and telling them, hey, look, don't know if you guys heard this. You know, I don't know how quick news traveled back then, but this whole issue of circumcision, um, you know, there's... You know, if the word got out that they were meeting in Jerusalem to settle this issue, and then to come back to the Gentiles and say, look, the issue has been settled. This is the requirement that's on you guys. You don't have to get circumcised. It's through Christ and Christ alone, faith in Christ. You know, that's how you're saved. And it's, there's, <laughs> you can't add to it. You can't take away from it. And these people rejoiced in that. You know, they were excited about it. It said the churches were strengthened in faith and increased in number daily. You know, the word of God, they heard the truth, and the truth set them free. Have you heard that before somewhere? Right, the truth will set you free. Right, Jesus said that, right? Jesus said that, and it's interesting because Jesus also said that in John 14, 6, that he's the way, the truth and the life. So these folks are getting excited about hearing the truth of God's word, hearing the truth that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. There's nothing that we have to add to it, no circumcision. We don't have to jump through any hoops. It's just believing that Jesus Christ died for our sins, that God raised him on the third day, and he ascended into heaven. You know, it's the gospel, plain and simple. These guys got excited about it. The church was strengthened and increased in number daily. Daily. So I think that's pretty awesome. Verse 5, in my mind, after it could have in little captions, mission accomplished. Mission accomplished. Paul wanted to go back to these churches to see how they were doing, and he wanted to bring them, you know, the news that the issue had been settled. So, The mission is accomplished. People were updated with the results from the Jerusalem Council. The churches were strengthened in faith and increased daily. And so as the church grew, who knows? Maybe another church grew out of that. It's hard to say. But the mission was accomplished. What they wanted to do, they accomplished. What they felt that God had called them to do, they accomplished, but they don't stop there, and that's what's exciting. You know, they're going to just keep right on going now. You know, it's the excitement and just the joy that they must be experiencing. You know, seeing that this, the churches are growing, they're being strengthened, um, mission accomplished. And I'm sure, I'm sure that they're praising the Lord. That, I mean, that their hearts are just full of joy, excitement to see what God is doing. And this is like the first, I mean, this is all, I mean, this is all, I mean, this is the beginning of the church, the beginning of the church. And I'm sure that, you know, obviously, I don't know if they probably didn't think that way, but I mean, I would just be blown away. Could you imagine being there and, and seeing these saints just get so excited about the fact that, it, you know, that they're saved, that there's no more challenge to their salvation, there's no more works. You know, the church is strengthened, the church is growing, and, you know, their people are being added to the church daily. I mean, could you imagine coming to church here every day and every day seeing more and more people here? 
And, you know, all of a sudden the first two rows are filled. And then you come in tomorrow and then the, that section starting to get filled. You come in on Wednesday and that whole section is full. And by Saturday you walk in and there's not a seat. And everybody's excited, praising God and hearing the word of God being taught. I mean, that's, that's pretty cool, isn't it? To think that, I mean, that was church. That they were being added to the church daily. Maybe not like my example, but it's, it's exciting. It's exciting. And, you know, you wonder, you know, what motivated these guys? They saw God's hand. They saw God's faithfulness all the time. And when they didn't see it right away, they prayed and they just stayed the course. And then they saw God faithful. And we're going to see that with the call to um, the Macedonian call. So let's, um, let's just read a few more verses and then we'll, we'll bring this to an end. Verses 6 through 10, it says, Now when they had gone through Phrygia and the region of Galatia, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach the word in Asia. That would have been if they would have went south to the left, because now they're going west, like in the middle of the continent, pretty much. And then it says, after they came to Mysa, they tried to go to Bithynia, which would have been north, but the Spirit did not permit them. So passing by Mysa, they came down to Troas. And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man of Macedonia stood and pleaded with him, saying, Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now after he had seen the vision, uh, immediately we sought to go to Macedonia, concluding that the Lord had called us to preach the gospel there. So you got to try to, if you could picture this, they're going kind of west. So they're thinking of going down south to Asia, but the Holy Spirit says, no, 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 no. Can't do that. So then they're going a little bit more, and then they want to go north. The Holy Spirit says, no, no, you can't do that either. So if they're coming from the east, they can't go south, and they can't go north. So the, most, the next logical thing is they just continue going west. And, you know, we read it, that the Holy, you know, they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to preach in Asia, um, then they were, um, the Holy Spirit didn't permit them to go north. And, you know, we don't know uh, what vehicle that, that the Lord used, the Holy Spirit used to tell them. So they, I mean, I really believe that they, they must have been uh, praying and just seeking God, asking them, should we go here, should we go there? And think about, I mean, those are the areas that God had passed, had them pass by were well-populated areas where they could have, really been effective in ministry. But we know later on that Peter is going to end up and minister in the northern part of Galatia. So God already had all that covered. And what I like about this is, um, you know, they didn't try to make things happen. They were, they were prayerfully seeking the Lord, and they obviously discerned that God didn't want them to go in those two directions. And they just, all right, well, we're just going to keep going the way we're going. But, you know, it takes so much trust, too. You know, you wonder where they say, but Lord, you know, what about all these people? You know, and God is just saying, hey, don't worry about them. I have this under control. And, you know, it's, all, what a, it's a, just a picture for us. You know, a lot of times God's having, a, he'll have us do things that to us doesn't make sense. You know, Lord, why, I mean, this, why not here? You know, why not there? Why not here, Right. No, but God is to say, no, you just stay the course and go where I want you to go. Everything else is going to be okay. And, um, you know, I don't, want to, I don't want to take too much more time because I've been going at this for a little bit. I want, to, I want you to, if you do a little reading tonight and you get a, kind of, get a little further ahead, they're looking for direction. And when um, Paul gets to Macedonia... When he gets to, uh, they get over into Europe and uh, they come across um, a bunch of women that are praying by the river because there was no synagogue in that city. And because, you know, it's like 
we, we kind of know what, what happened, but Paul doesn't know, and neither does Silas and Timothy. So they're at Troas waiting for some direction. They get this vision, but I really have to believe that these women are already where God wants them to be, and they're praying. And, you know, you wonder, what are they praying about? You know, God, we, you know, bring the word here, you know, bring, you know, bring enough, you know, enough Jewish, you know, believers here. We could start a synagogue, whatever, but they're praying. They're praying, Paul and these guys are praying. They're at Troas, they're waiting on God. And the Macedonian call happens. And, you know, you just, in my mind, I think it's all part of God's plan. Those women are faithful to pray. Paul is waiting. They're not sure where to go. They get to Troas, you know, and you can't go much further because the Aegean Sea is there. So they're, they're there praying, seeking God's direction. The women are praying, and God has this, this vision for Paul. And, you know, and Paul gets, sees the vision, and it's immediately. You know, it's just like the light went on. Boom. He has this vision. Let's go, guys. You know, we're headed that way. And it's just amazing. It's in, and, but that's, you know, that didn't just happen one time in all of history, right, biblical history. This, you know, God works this way all the time. God works this way all the time through people praying, through people that are waiting on him, people that are um, just seeking direction. You know, God is there. He, he's, everything is working together. Everything is working together. We, we have a part. Paul and, Paul and Silas and Timothy had a part. Hey, what? Wait there. Wait. Pray. They're praying. The women, they're, they're doing what they know God wants them to do. They're praying. And God puts it all together and gets Paul there. And was it an answer to their prayer? Well, we're going to see when we get a little further ahead. But that's, I mean, it's just amazing to just see how God's hand works. So if you get discouraged, if you feel like, oh, well, Lord, you know, the door is closed. Or, don't worry about it. You know what? Just wait. Wait and pray. And wait isn't, you know, it isn't just like kicking back and doing nothing. You know, it's praying. It's, you know, just praying with that expectation that at any minute God could give you the answer to that prayer, that God is going to give you that direction you need. God is going to give you that answer that you're waiting for. You know, when we're waiting on God, we're waiting expectantly, like God's going to do something. We just don't know when. But you know what? I'm going to be excited about it because I know he's going to do something. And, you know, we have the blessing to be able to see that from Genesis to Revelation. God just being there, being ahead of people, being behind them, just totally encompassing situations and just, for, you know, accomplishing uh, his plan, using people like us, right? Ordinary people like these guys that we're reading about in the book of Acts. So next time I, I do a Sunday night, we'll hopefully finish Acts 16. But read ahead. Um, it's just, um, it, just, it just amazes me that, I mean, I... It would be nice if they took and made a, a movie, like a series, out of not only the book of Acts, but just think the whole Bible if they did it accurately. I mean, it would just be amazing to see this, you know, played out. You know, we have a chance, we have an opportunity to read about it, and um, actually we have an opportunity to see it lived out in our lives as we do it, which is better than watching TV. It's a lot better to live it, right? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, um, thank you so much, God, for um, tonight. And Lord, um, I am just uh, sometimes just lost for words when I I, I look at your word, just looking at these men and women, um, God, that you've called uh, to see the way the church grew, uh, just that it just increased daily, uh, Lord, and God, we, we pray that you would move in a powerful way like that here um, in Calvary Chapel of Rochester. I pray, Lord, that we would get um, more and more excited about what you've called us to do and that 
uh, to reach this community, to be a light where, where you have us uh, through employment or wherever. God, that we would, um, Lord, have that desire, that burning desire in our hearts to um, live out your word, to be faithful uh, to the call that you have on our lives. Lord, I pray that you would bring um, a unity here in the body of Christ. I pray, God, that we would um, be excited about speaking into each other's lives, encouraging one another, praying for one another, uh, being there for one another. Lord, that you would um, strengthen the church through um, relationship, first and foremost with our relationship with you and then with one another. That, God, that there would be a, um, just a, a deep con- um, just love for one another. And, Lord, um, help us to, um, Lord, um, have a heart for, the, for those that aren't saved. And Lord, I know that there's, um, you know, the world's full of different kind of people with different kinds of thoughts and lifestyles. And I pray, God, that um, you would help us to see through that and to see their heart, to see their soul, to see, to see them um, as you see them, Lord. Um, so God, give us a love for the lost, uh, Lord, as we uh, go through um, uh, the rest of our night. I pray, God, that we would um, get some time alone with you and then just to pray, Lord, uh, to um, really stretch us, God. Speak to our hearts. Encourage us. Um, God, we just love you so much. Thank you for getting everyone home safely. And Lord, should you tarry, I pray that you give us a, a blessed day tomorrow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.